0: Hello and welcome to Dice Night. My name's Casey Cool, and this is a show where we talk about everything tabletop role-playing games in between the actual play of some tabletop games with me and my closest friend. My guest tonight is professional GM content creator of All Father Games, Bronson. Bronson, thank you for joining me tonight on the show.
1: How's it going? I'm glad to be here,
0: dude. I, it's it's really fun. I'm, it's going good. It's excellent that I'm talking to you. I've been following your Instagram page because I'm too old to have TikTok. Actually, it's not allowed in our house. Right. Uh, My wife's work; they they don't let her have it, and so we have to work on that. So, and just like everybody my age, I see all the cool TikTok memes two weeks Mm -hmm. later on Instagram. Yeah. So your videos are great. They always reside in hit. When did when did you start doing the content creating with? Oh man,
1: so I actually started the account. Uh, talking about board games, board games in general, tabletop mm-hmm. board games. And that uh, slowly evolved into uh, just tabletop role playing games and then really focused in on kind of Dungeons and Dragons. But we've kind of brought in things back out to tabletop in general. And I'd say it's coming up on two years of me actually like consistently participating in Instagram. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I well, are they built in within each other these days now too? Where it's just you upload the one and it's easy to upload to the other, or is it a process for you? Uh,
1: it's relatively easy, I guess. Um, they they try to play well, understanding that everybody's creating and putting things on everything as much as possible. But at the end of the day, Facebook and Instagram definitely isolate themselves from TikTok for sure. So yeah,
0: well, and TikTok just I think the big part seems to me is the video editing is so nice and then there's a trend and you can always relate the trend to oh this is like my hobby but this you know right um and yeah i you know i really like a lot of things you do um i send your videos and a couple others to my dnd group at least once a week or something that i find yours that uh that struck a chord um you got some really great stuff, you know, like this one, the prep work one, you put up one about prep work this week. And I was like, Oh no, that's me. Like I, I took the advice. I'm like, I do need to do some D and D prep. Uh,
1: yeah. That was actually uh so just a couple days yesterday on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Hey, guess what? Don't forget. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it haunted me. It haunted me. I'm like, he's right. It's like, you're my D and D conscience. And I was like, I can blow it off. Cause <laughs> I hear like there's people that talk to me about doing games, just shooting from the hip. And obviously in DD, you have to shoot from your hip a little bit, but I could imagine not prepping at some form, right? To do a good job for your group.
1: Yeah. So that's actually an interesting topic for me. Uh, And I think I am a big proprietor of yes, do the prep, but at the end of the day, we have to prepare to improv. We have to be yeah. prepared for, heck, we, we know that whatever we do, it doesn't matter. Our players are going to do something different. They're so going to do the worst possible thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Always. So preparing ourselves for that is extremely important. And so just uh, preparing to be flexible, I think, is my uh, my big takeaway in all of that is yeah, you can prep all you want, but at the end of the day, they're going to do something different. So prep in a way that's helpful for that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, you can't be too rigid because you don't want to. I think one of the scariest things to be called is a railroad DM. You know, that's something I worry about. And um oh, things I know, All Fathers Games is my favorite. Good job. Thing, am glad you're here. Good. We get to talk to him. I, He's one of my favorites, too. Yeah, I I I was telling you before the show, I work in education. I run the Dungeon Dragons or tabletop role-playing game club after my at my school.
1: Awesome. And so I'm
0: playing with any range of 10 to 12-year-old, right? And they're pretty wild with what they want to do and you have to improv. Because either they want to be murder hobos or they want everything to be their pet. And you got to find that happy medium, you know? I, at what point does it become consequences for players, too, based on... you, You want to give them what they want but you have to let them know there's some hard lines, right?
1: Yeah, and that's I think that's the real kicker there. Is we can do, we can do whatever you want. We can do that. That's totally acceptable. But you need to understand there's going to be a consequence for that. Oh, Just yeah. like life, like is we're not running a simulation here. We that's right. not the purpose of tabletop role playing games. But at the end of the day, if I don't present you with a consequence, we are just going to murder hobo around and okay. If, if that's what we want to do, that's fine. Let's roll up a villainous campaign and we'll just disregard yeah. the consequences and throw that out the window and let's yeah. go for it. Sure. But, yeah. 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 But that's not always the point. And that's not necessarily the story that the whole table wants to tell.
0: Right. I was explaining to the kids too, cause I had one kid today and he was just trying to, I go, we don't want main character energy. Mm. Right. Everybody's a character in the table and you will have your moment in the sun, but like, don't, you don't want to make it all about you. I'm trying to teach these young groups what to not do. And I think that's a big part too. Cause like one of them today wanted to just poison a whole group of people saying a prayer for their dead sailors. And I, in my head, I was like, okay, the pie, I, it was, I was like, do I let them do it? Or is there going to be a consequence? Right. And either it's kids that's so creative sometimes, but sometimes it's just like, nope, you can't, you got to learn how to play within the rules. Have you ever had that in an adult table that you ran where someone's just trying to
1: you like, know, I, take over I so I started playing tabletop role-playing games with a game called Phoenix Dawn Command. Okay. I didn't start I didn't start with D D. I started with uh it's a it's a card-driven, so it's a deck builder. Okay. And uh starting with that, that got me into tabletop, and then eventually I deployed to Afghanistan and I, I, was, I ran. Okay. a lot of dungeons and dragons in Afghanistan.
0: See I uh, I was going to say cuz I saw on your page the pictures from the military and I found that was fascinating. So you did a lot you did you started your d d passion really in, while you were in the trenches.
1: Uh so it started at the family with the table sort okay, of thing. Okay. Had had a you know brother-in-law and a friend and uh some cousins sort of thing and that's where I got started. Uh but then you know that's that's one weekend, you know, one session a month or two sessions right. a month, sort of thing. But while I was in Afghanistan, I was running probably three sessions a week. That's awesome. Um, at at various bases all around Afghanistan, just whoever I could get to play, and it was actually incredible because you would find, regardless of ranks, so you'd have the the lowest of the private to uh, I'd had colonels at my table, so a relatively. Uh, high managerial positions if you want to yeah yeah
0: yeah my my eyebrows raised when i heard that yeah um
1: and so having all of these different types of people at the table uh you do find that there are some that inevitably to circle back to the question uh there are some personalities that will try to run away with it does uh, the
0: colonel like pull rank?
1: Like I believe that's a net twenty soldier. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. You know what? Okay. Hey. Uh, that would be funny, but no, no. no they right, were all right, res- right. very respectful of the story and the uh, the authority behind the screen and everything. Right. Um. Right. But it is it is something that you do have to address. And sometimes there are people at your table, not to bring down the mood or anything. There are people at your table where you might need to call them out for their behavior. And that's okay. Yeah. Uh, As long as you're doing it respectfully and communicating expectations ahead of time. That's why session zero is so important. That way we all understand, hey, like this main character energy from you, this main character syndrome, if you want it. Yeah. Uh, That's not what we're playing for here.
0: I, you're, I. You were talking about how you have Midwest roots, and so my grandmother's from the Midwest. Uh, she's from Nebraska, and she was love board games. That's where I got past board games. But very big into gaming etiquette, like you hold your cards a certain way, you take that. And I think with D and D, you know, there's some, there's no etiquette book really for D and D yet. There is like standard etiquette, but like for me, I, I always tell kids, don't tell someone how to play their turn. That's one of like the rudest things you can do. What do you think are some big etiquette things that you said at your table?
1: That's a really good, a really good question. And Thanks. Perhaps one that hey, I have I love that you're before. giving
0: me all these good question remarks. I'm feeling really great about myself. I just <laughs> keep it coming. I'm so good.
1: I got you. I, I'll I will build you up all night, Casey. Don't worry. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, so, man, thinking about that etiquette at my table.
0: And in the chat, too, if you have any things about etiquette at the table, feel free to throw that in. Yeah, etiquette at the table. I think it's an unwritten thing, though, too, to me. Like, it's, it's, there's people have rules that pass down, but there's nothing that's really clear because everyone's by the, you know, the DM guide is not about how to hold yourself. It's just about how to run the mechanics, right?
1: Right. And so I think that at the end of the day, the biggest piece of Uh, tabletop role-playing etiquette is respecting the fact that the dungeon master the game master is the final arbiter of the rules Mm -hmm. that the 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 unwritten rule of you know gary gygaxism if you will uh hey if it is as much as you can don't abuse that authority yeah but then everybody else at the table needs to also respect that authority that like hey you know what for right now, because of rule of cool or whatever, I understand that we're going against that rule. I want to see what happens and let's just yeah. go with it. And yeah. then everyone just needs to be okay with that. And so... The rule of
0: cool is a big one too, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that's a tough one. That's a tough one.
0: For me, like my players, because sometimes, you know, I've been playing only for so many years now, but I trust in my players, like in my personal home game group, that they have a good understanding of their character in hmm. how their character mechanic works. But I also Ooh, think yeah. something good at a table is being open to looking at the rules together too, right? Yeah. It's okay for the DM go, well, let's double check that rule. It's a big book. I can't remember everything and I'll pull it up. I know some some people actually, the game for them is being the rules lawyer too. Well, yeah. actually, you know, they want to get you there. But, so um... I, uh,
1: I have an anecdote on this. Actually. Okay, go ahead. So go ahead. I have... Um a really good table. Uh, I've got a couple of dungeon masters, like people that have experience being a dungeon master playing at my table. And so there will be times where they will come to me with, hey, you know, the rule actually says this. But then they always give the caveat. But, you know, I understand, like, whatever you say goes here. And never, so here's here's why I'm saying this to people. Never be afraid to have someone Hey, read the spell for me. Uh, yeah. go ahead and pull up that rule. Hey, what's the rule on drowning? Can someone pull that up real quick and and then you read through it and you listen to it and then you come up with an arbitration of how we're going to play it out because yeah. That's the whole thing about tabletop role playing. That's why we enjoy the communal storytelling is because there's no way for us to possibly plan for every little thing. Uh, sure. for no way. We can do it, no way they could do it when they wrote the book. Uh, and so we have to sometimes kind of make it up and say, mm, well, you know, based on the wording, we're going to go ahead and do this instead. That's okay.
0: Yeah, I think that's important. And I think it's also respecting, like you said, going back to the DM's final say, but, um, oh, small home roll. I don't take the dice uh if it fell off the table i think that's a great rule too right because <laughs> and it's but you have to be honest with that you don't just take it if it's a low roll if you get a nat 20 right that's the thing you have to do there um but like you're saying too the dm has to make that final call but sometimes sometimes too you got to eat crow because you you read the rule wrong you're like oh my bad oh, yeah. yeah you know yeah um let's see that. but rule cool sometimes it it's just fun i i we did it on our actual play. Uh, we were doing... Someone did Charm Person. And there's these polar bears in Icewind Dale. And he's like, hey, go pet these polar bears. Because they're fighting goblins. They're really friendly. And they had killed a couple other people because someone threw a goblin into it. And I thought that was just so funny. I'm like, yeah, it because he had a high role for the charm. But Charm Person isn't really about, like, go... It's not command, you know? Right. But to me, I think the person was gullible enough. And it was just... I like good role playing, too.
1: So sometimes...
0: Yeah. When the table's cool if you've been in the rules, it's really fun. Um, have you done have you looked at startgames.com? Said, the, the the start playing games or playing games the with the professional DMs and GMs? I actually
1: haven't. No. Um,
0: I got a few people on from the show, and the creator of that when we just were doing just regular underpowered, and it's a really interesting, it's for professional DMs and they run hourly rates. We had Dan the first episode, Dan uh Munoz, he's a professional DM on StartPlaying. He runs like four or five games a week and gets paid an hourly rate. And uh, I think that's an interesting thing too, because when you're paying to play, people want things a certain way, but you want to honor, you want to teach them like, no, like if you, you want to instill the love of the game. Right. right. And it's kind of hard there. Cause if some, I've asked him like, well, like how many games a week do you run? I guess is where I'm getting, I'll get back to this thought train.
1: How many I run? Yeah, like
0: how many game are you playing? A monthly game, a weekly game? What's your What's your poison?
1: Uh, so I run one game a week, um, nice. but I run four campaigns concurrently. So it's
0: four different groups. Yes. Nice. Okay. What's what are the sizes range?
1: Um, I will not go over six players, and I won't play with less than three.
0: See, I'm with you there too. I think there's some sweet spot. I
1: think the sweet spot
0: is uh three players in the GM or four players in the GM that six yeah. is about as far as all go too, because like uh I again with the kids I'm trying to do an 11 person game and it drags right Oof, and, yeah. and You know, uh, you have to stretch things because none of them want to DM at that age. They want someone to make up the game for them.
1: So here's actually, I I I, I know this wasn't in like the list of anything. I've got something for you. Go ahead. Um, Hey,
0: the list is very loose. It rule of cool. (laughs) You know, like go yeah right yeah.
1: Um. So I had a large group. Uh. So we were maxed uh, six players. It was so it was large for me. Um. But I tried for the first time what I called an extended combat check okay uh so rather than running the combat you know with initiative and turn for turn um i said okay the dc it was essentially the the armor class for the combat session okay and said hey the armor class of this troll that you're fighting is 18 uh, what are you doing to contribute to the combat and we role played the combat and it went really really surprisingly oh, that's well cool. yeah and so i had a player say oh well you know uh with my uh my medicine you know i'm gonna pull out my medicine kit and i'm gonna make a medicine check to uh concoct like a, a quick brew uh potion to counteract the trolls uh regeneration so something to like fight the trolls regeneration i said okay m- make a roll for it and I and rolled a 22 awesome the troll no longer has its regenerative abilities. Oh, and so nice. we just kind of role-played through, okay, what are you doing to contribute to the combat? And it was a really great way to condense the three-hour combat session into a 30-minute role-play where everyone had you know their two-minute turn, uh, really moved through it really well, and we were able to handle uh, what would have been a drag as you wait 15 minutes for your next turn into, oh, it's my turn again. Okay, well, I'm going to do this now. And we really told a great story through the combat. And so I recommend you try it sometime. Yeah. Uh, give it a shot.
0: I'm okay with doing that. I'm okay with the, I, something I realized today. Uh, how often are you using random tables at you, in your games? Are you a big random table guy?
1: Uh, I am actually not a big random okay. table guy. I believe that players should perceive randomness but that there is never actually anything random going on behind the scenes. Sure,
0: sure, sure. Yeah, there's some. You don't want to keep them think. You want them to think they're not on railroads when they're actually on rails the whole time. No, I fully get that. Cause you want you have like a main story and they divert from it. But I like um for a fresh game from like session one. Uh, like I have a a table. It's 200 scene counters because i did an ocean thing at the beginning and it's just like random events like you find a gold statue how do you are it's for rping purposes virtually okay. kind of like how you think about item table
1: yeah yeah, we'll yeah. go in
0: there um i i love a good random roll we have a mechanic too we have a a duck in that Icewind Dale game and are, are you a big video game player at all
1: uh, i play some video games okay
0: okay have you heard of the untitled goose game where you're the goose that just annoys people and chases it and it's like a puzzle game
1: i've heard it i've seen memes okay. about it yeah yeah yeah
0: So the person is a BM hunter, but he's level one. And I was like, we can't use your pet at level one, but because he actually has ducks. So we said, okay, I'll give you a random like action table for the duck. And the duck ended up being a huge narrative for the first levels because of how it just screws things up. But I found with a big group of kids or kids that are afraid to RP, if you give them the random event, Mm. they'll just play it. Right. For people. Right. right. Because I think sometimes it's really hard is how deep do you, I like a deep RP, but that's hard for some people to, to talk or do a voice. And that's not everyone's thing, but when you give them something to play out, it helps lead that. And then you kind of like, cause how, how veteran are your players in those groups that you play with?
1: Um, Well, by this point, a lot of them are pretty veteran. Um, just wrapped up a two year campaign okay. where they, they started off totally green, uh, but just wrapped them up. And so we're getting ready to start up another campaign. So it, Whenever I do have someone fresh come to the table, it is generally with a table of veterans. So it's bringing in one fresh person, one fresh, you know, three or four other veterans. So,
0: yeah. But watching them get progressively better at the thing maybe they're weak at is, oh, it's the best, right? It really is the best. You see someone that's afraid to RP, and then by session 10, they're like, they are their character. They'll talk in character, they'll have a conversation, you'll buy in. It's the magic of the game. It really is. And then, or just for your character, for people I give a tip too. if you don't like the talk a lot, just make your character be a silent type, but do things through action. Like, my character mm. does this, you know. Um, so, I love that you're starting your second campaign. How many of these people are you playing with that you met in the military?
1: Um, One of them, actually. Okay. Only one. Um, a lot of others have been uh, from all over the country, all over the world. And so, uh, they are in all of those places.
0: (laughs) So is it like, do those events from playing with them and playing with your little group, is that what inspires your videos sometimes? Or how do you, how do you make, what's your process for making your, your clips, your funny, your funny videos?
1: Okay. uh, Well, the, the biggest thing is finding pertinent problems, right? Relatable content. Uh, For instance, I, I made one today about how, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to my wife that I've got this cool idea for my campaign and that it, it gets like a good job, dear, on... on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was uh, on uh, Instagram. Like a, a, a that
0: head. Oh, I can put it on Instagram. I can pull that up right here. Um,
1: uh, yeah, it was essentially just like a thanks, babe. That was tender. Like why... you All you do is talk about this like all the time. Yeah, blue shirt right there. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, there yeah. Yeah, um, yeah this, this one right here. I mean, it's just literally like... Uh, the despair that you feel inside as you just kind of get patted on the head (laughs) when you were looking for a, you were looking for more you know (laughs) yeah right (laughs) tell Um, me more
0: because the thing that people really need to know is if you're a dm when you want you just want to talk about your campaign to somebody you want to tell especially someone in D, right yeah Uh, does your wife ever play with you
1: no actually no she does not no
0: interest right uh
1: well you know she played with me uh once right when i first started out i think it was just to humor me you know of course i was i was interested in this new thing i was starting to play role-playing games hey babe come play and like she she played and she never played again
0: yeah (laughs) so i don't
1: know if it's just not her thing or what but uh i've i've tried to convince her to come back to the table and she's just like no you've got friends for that yeah (laughs)
0: <laughs> now, I someone in the chat things I know. Tell them about the white elephant. What is the white elephant? Do you know what he uh, oh. refers to?
1: Uh so the white elephant. Um, what we did is we did a white elephant character exchange. Oh, sick! And so what you did is you made a character that you would be willing to play. Uh, had a couple items for it, fifth level, um, and all you you folded up the character sheet and then you wrote the stat modifiers on the Ooh. outside of the package as like the wrapping paper and so all you knew is okay this thing's got a plus five in strength but it's nice. got a minus two in intelligence like okay so maybe it's a barb and you all right i'll take that one and you open it up and it's a it's a, a barb wizard and it's just like oh, a horrible awful. wizard build and it's like, <laughs> what is this man like um and so then we uh we did a big character exchange where you. Uh, picked and so we played it white elephant style, and so you could steal. Oh, I want to, I want to play a sorcerer tonight, and so you took that character from that player, and it was a really fun, uh, kind of Christmas season one shot that I did with uh, all the players that wanted to come and enjoy that. So. That's
0: awesome. We've always yeah. talked about doing an evil Christmas campaign where you fight Santa. I think that would be a fun one. No, we, we did a session I needed a break because I coach in the fall, and um, <laughs> we did Same. this one shot. And the one shot was we found someone posted this thing on Twitter and I wish I could find it. It was your zodiac sign tied to a race, a character, and a class. And it might
1: have been DD Imposter. She's pretty I think good so. About doing that yeah, stuff. yeah,
0: yeah. And it was like Virgo was a Teflon wizard, right? And your background was sage. It gave you your background or something like that, right? That you had to run. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting because like uh everyone had to play something they usually normally wouldn't play. And our one buddy who's a monk in our main campaign had to play a warlock, Warforge. And after that session, he's like, I really like warlocks. He was not into the idea. And he's like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, I think that's like, if for newer players, I wouldn't recommend that if you're out listening or watching this right now. But I think picking a class is really, it's it's kind of like picking your Mario Kart character. It says a lot about your personality, you know?
1: Now you got me curious. What's your Mario Kart character? Oh, man,
0: Yoshi, always. Really? And Donkey Kong. Yeah, I look like Donkey Kong, and I'm built like Donkey Kong, but I, I like the speed, man. I like the acceleration. I got some wheels.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm like a Toad quicker. player myself. Oh, there um, you go. Yeah.
0: I got Toad's great. Toad and Yoshi, kind of the same camp. Quick yeah. turning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, what was... So do you, are you forever DM, or do you get to play ever?
1: Uh, I actually prefer to DM. Oh, Okay. So, so, yes, I am uh, a Forever DM, but it's self-inflicted. Self-inflicted. Okay. I have a couple really great players that are willing to run, you know, uh, you know, a three shot every now and again and give me a break if I want it. But at the end of the day, I always find myself on the player side of the screen Oblivion. and I can't help Oblivion. but want back. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want back behind the screen because it's a creative outlet for me. It's about so, creating the world and it's about that world building for me. That's where I really uh, find the joy is kind yeah. of administering the story rather than being the protagonist.
0: And you get to be everything else, right? That's the DM. That's the thing I remind myself. Uh, So I'm sure you have played as a player, though.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So what was your first class? What was your your go-to? It was like, this is the thing I'm playing first.
1: Oh, so I'm a cleric. Oh,
0: I see that. I see that talking to you. Okay. Uh dwarf hands,
1: hands down, uh, a dwarven utility cleric. Of
0: course. I knew it. I knew yeah. it. Good man.
1: I'm all I'm all about uh kind of the Support. battlefield management. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't mind a little AoE control magic. I enjoy supporting the other players so that they can, you know, whoop out some crazy stuff. I yeah. really enjoy that.
0: Nice. See, I'm a ranger and I get so much of a hard time. I think rangers are great if you know how to build them right.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, I definitely agree with that. Uh, anyone who craps on like the player handbook ranger, it's because you didn't communicate with your dungeon master about what you're doing. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's still a great class. There's it nothing is wrong with it.
0: And if you if your first survival, but the other thing too, I, I'm also a believer in multi-classing. I think mm-hmm. there's some some ability in that too. Uh, but in finding items that help your character, if anybody yeah. wants a good ranger, those archer bracers at the beginning, and you go archery man, right? You can, you'll never miss. And that's the thing with people start noticing, Hey, this guy has a plus nine to hit. How is he never missing? Right. Uh, and you, it's just, you, you build them right at the beginning, right? You go full decks, all decks. Are you a feet guy or stat guy?
1: Uh, I actually enjoy the feats. Same. Um, and I enjoy the kind of the, the, like I said, I'm a utility player. So I enjoy yeah. kind of the the role play feats, the things that allow me to Uh, shine outside of combat so I'm always willing to take like the actor feat or the (laughs) other things like that that will kind of spice up what I do outside of the combat.
0: Yes, I like the feat that allows you to read lips and it gives you a plus five perception because it's great for other things. I like to investigate. I'm a wanna, I wanna honor the puzzle that the DM gives sometimes too like I love a good puzzle and I'll, I'll, I'll sit there and be like we can do this for hours this is great. Um but I think you know, like everybody makes mistakes with their characters too. And also, I think rangers are important to world building. And you do hmm. a lot of videos about world building. I noticed, yeah. right? You. So, what's your big? How do you start world building? Because you're doing all these different campaigns. Is it yeah. you have one line, or is it the physical world? Where do you begin?
1: So I tell everybody to start at the smallest microcosm of the culture. Uh, so whatever that culture revolves around start at the smallest version of that culture. Okay. And so if you are taking, for instance, the classic medieval fantasy setting, right? Mm-hmm. We can always, the, the first thing that we think of, the smallest microcosm of the culture is the inn. It's the tavern. Yeah. And so start- All
0: great stories begin in a tavern, right? Right.
1: You start with that tavern and then you build out and you build, okay, what's next to the tavern? Oh, there's an armor there and okay. there's a, a magic shop across the street and you're in this town- And who runs the town? How big is the town? And then you're into the region. And then, okay, so economically speaking, why does this region exist? What's going on here that's happening? And then you build out and out and out and out from that point. And that can be applied to any setting, not just medieval fantasy. Take a sci-fi setting, for instance. Okay, what's the smallest microcosm of the culture? All right, the ship. Okay, what Mm -hmm. ship are we on? We're on We're on some long haul space freighter. Okay, cool. And why are we here on this long haul space freighter? And what's happening? And and then you just build out and build out and build out. And so the reason that I talk so much about world building and the the reason that I'm telling you this is because there's a lot of dungeon masters that want to homebrew, that want to Mm -hmm. build their own worlds and they feel intimidated. They feel intimidated by, well, it's an entire world
0: what do I do? Where do I yeah. start? Right? It, it It is very cumbersome and sounds bigger than it is. It, uh, because, you know, I started, I'm like, I'm going to use Eberron, uh, or uh, I always say Eberron, Eberron right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eberron. I used that as a base, but I didn't study the lore. It was my version of Eberron, and I kept true to the map, and that was basically it. And I'm like, I'm just going to do this. And I learned, like, oh, this area where I have a big town is actually a jungle of wild animals. Oh, well, you know, like sometimes you, I, I don't know. Are you a module? Because you like to build the world's no modules ever.
1: So, uh, actually, I just finished up a module. I ran. Oh, yourself. yourself? Uh, no, no, no. Not writing oh, okay, one. Okay. Uh, r- running one because okay. I ha- okay. I've i been crapping on modules for like the last two years. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, I actually have to run a module now so that I can actually <laughs> what, crap. What on module? One. What module? Uh, so I ran uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist.
0: I have that book. I have that book. I love uh, just collecting a lot of books fun.
1: too. It was okay. a lot of fun, but the if you are a dungeon master for the creativity of building the world, modules will suck your soul.
0: Yeah, a little bit, or they make you feel a little overwhelmed because they have. So, I found there's so many pieces, and I'm like, oh, I could do this, 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 and what I really need to do is give the players the A-line and the B-line and connect it to their stories. We've been running Icewind Dale, which is a great module, and it's one of the most well-received. But I'm like, there's so many pieces here. I just need to make this relate to this. And then it's kind of the flow of energy. If anybody, I think, is into modules, and and maybe some people are very different, where it's by the book and they run everything to a T, I don't don't feel like D&D, a a good game of that, is like that. Because my other thing, too, is... Players, you know, in world building, tell me if you agree with this, your world's important. How you design it, the the ecosystems, the banking systems, all the systems within it. But what players really care about is not the world, it's the story of their character yes. and how they fit in that world. And that needs to be the most important part of the campaign. How does your character story fit in this world? You can have like event A happens to B, but then it all goes to a side to let's tie in. How does this character, you know, what kind of, it's anime in a way, right? You have the redemption arcs, you have the revenge stories, the love stories, and it's what your character wants. I think that's important to world building.
1: uh, I think that you are spot on it because uh, that's not just important to world building, It's quintessential. Yeah. Um, If you are not, so here here we go. We're going to get on Soapbox Bronson. You pulled him out, man. (laughs) Here it comes. Uh, If you are not building the world around your players' stories, you're building the wrong world. Because whatever it is that interests your players, whatever it is that revolves around their character, that's the only part of the world that you need to worry about because right. i could have this beautifully flushed out immaculate city made and ready for a political intrigue campaign and my players just want to dungeon delve and crush goblin skulls yeah they they don't care about the politics they don't care about the political intrigue they just want to go adventure and explore the countryside
0: the political intrigue needs to come to them
1: exactly right and so now they need to move into that environment and okay so here then you are building the world uh what I refer to it as is uh real-time rendering
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah
1: right yeah. uh just like it's in fun. a video game the world renders as you look uh, it's the same thing in d d if our players are ooh side quest you need to be rendering the world in that direction
0: okay. I like that. I agree fully. I think in modules, you can do it with a module. I feel like too, yeah. like again, that start playing games. I was going to say, if you start doing that, you would make tons of money because I know how you prep. And so I'd be curious to see you start DMing professionally. So I'm, I'm just throwing it out there, but I feel like that some of those professional DMs will run modules, but they've run them so many times. Cause like, I'm sure you have one shots that you ran multiple times for a group, right? Oh, like yeah. you have, Yeah. Yeah. And it, I feel like it's, like, uh, different types of performance art, like a stand-up or, like, a, someone that's done their bit so many times. Yeah. You add little bits of flavor, like, oh, you know, this one time I had the bartender be a gnome, and people thought that was funny. Let me keep that. Or this time, they, they wanted it to be a tough dwarf, right? You can change up little things to make it fresh, but you know it hits, like, and intrigues other people. You can't recreate every group, but you can give them pieces that people liked, and you can kind of fish it out.
1: But so. Uh, And the best part about that, as you start um, reusing, recycling, if you will, it is uh, environmentally minded as we're world building and we're recycling, (laughs) all of my campaigns are set in the same world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so uh, it's it's absolutely, uh, I absolutely love it when a player uh, hears a piece of content from a campaign years ago. And they look at me and they say, "Did I do that?" And you go, oh, yes, "Yes, yes, you did." That
0: is the best. It's you the know, best, and,
1: and it's because you know that you've you've built this world. Why not reuse it? It's sitting there, and so it's it's always fun for players to see. Oh, hey, my player is an NPC and he owns this thing, or you know, he's a landed baron over in some mountainside. You know, and it's great. It's, it's super fun, and that creates uh, a meta, yeah, a meta. I don't know, landscape for your players to traverse as they are sifting the domino, through all right? of that. You, yeah, sifting you through the all domino. that lore.
0: Yeah, it, it, the the long payoff where you as a team, like I'm saying this, and I know there's gonna be a payoff in six months. It's delayed satisfaction, but everybody loves it, right? I I think my favorite, I'm a huge One Piece anime fan. I've been reading the manga since I was a kid too. And I think there's some great storytelling of things. Like talk about something that you haven't had a long payoff for, right? Because it's thousands of chapters deep. But I think players appreciate that. What's what's been the best payoff? And your let's do some more trade stories. What's the Ooh. best payoff? Like you talked about, what's a nugget that a player did and you that moment? When did you get that moment in the campaign? What's one of your favorite one of those?
1: That uh, oh, this effect it was huge. So I actually this last so I I ended three campaigns in uh, in December, okay. uh, so that I could start fresh campaigns um, this year here, and so. All of my campaigns have been weaving and uh, intertwining over the last two years. And just as I wrapped up one of these campaigns, uh, something has happened to a player where a deity that they have that a different campaign unlocked. Right. They they released this other deity. And this player looks at me and says, wait, wait a second. Like this was in the chat just the other day, you know, as he's realizing, wait, this is that person? Like, hold on, man. <laughs> and then the other guy at the table who's playing in both campaigns is just literally like salivating at the, oh, at the deliciousness of the moment. Yeah. Because he was there when that God was released and crushed skulls and killed three members of the party. And it was just. As, as he's enjoying that moment. And that is the meta. That's the meta story that is juicy. That's the meta right. story that people love. And it's it's a really gl- glorious thing to see.
0: Yeah, I, I think my table, so I told you I like rolling tables, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll do it for NPC sometimes where they have to meet someone. My player's got the deck of many things and one player got the card where if you duel somebody, you gain a level. Okay. And then so they had the idea, I'm just gonna go start a fight at a bar with someone. And we made like a canonical, our version of Applebee's is called Cherry Wasps. And I basically just wanted to go, sir, you're an Applebee's. So I want them it down. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go for Cherry it. Cherry Wasps. Cherry Wasp, please put that in <laughs> your world for me. So Cherry Wasp, he gets in a fight with some halfling and just beats him up horribly, right? And I was like, huh, what's a consequence that could come from that? And 10 sessions down, you know, they're doing some game and they're met by this ominous halfling that has a disfigured face And they couldn't put it together, and he's like, why does this guy hate me? And then something happened where I'm just like, wait, are you the guy with Sherry Moss? And everybody loved it! Like, what's the consequence? (laughs) And there's this whole arc where he ruined this guy's wedding day, he destroyed his life, that guy was disfigured, and he was out for revenge. And they ended up killing him. They pushed him off a cliff. Oh, man. But, it's still, it was a great, like, oh, there is some things there. I love a good ah, right, so also, a long joke is great too. Yes. You know. Um
1: yeah, running gags.
0: Awesome. I feel I feel like there's a lot of intersect between comedy and D D and, and Tabletop role-playing. What uh what tabletop in the world building do you pull from other games ever like Pathfinder or All the Time. All the time. Because you're a big homebrewer. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. So I w- I will rip if I find a mechanic. Uh, that i like i will rip it and i will use it and i will bend it towards whatever campaign i'm running mm-hmm. however however i can right um so for instance phoenix dawn command has the torch system and what that does is it provides items in the environment that if you interact with that item on your turn you essentially kind of get a sort of advantage right uh, yeah. and so what that does is it forces people to think about, Ooh, how can I role-play my combat so that it sounds cool? I'm going to you know, swing off of the, the rafters sort of thing. Oh, excellent. You used the rafters. Here's advantage on your thing. And it helps people tell the story better. Uh, you get blades in the dark with the clock system. Um, I love uh, the dread tower. I use the Jenga tower all the time. Anything that needs a timer, I will use the crap out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like that. Okay, good, good. I'm gonna take that. Yeah, I'm I'm cool from taking mechanics or designing subclasses. I think critical role with the gunslinger, and that's a pathfinder class. That's something that I'm like, oh, you can have guns in D and D, because I, I for when you pull from inspiration and world building, are you pulling from? Do you like time periods, or do you like to blend time periods too? or <laughs> sean sean is one of my players or perhaps run across a bar and miss your attack yeah he did this whole thing where he's like i'm gonna run across the bar and jump off of and hit this guy in the head it's like we'll roll acrobatics right you know you're gonna you're calling. Him. he's like it's a 12 you, you actually you think you're doing it but you're so intoxicated you just walk and jump
1: <laughs> Totally, it. it didn't <laughs> yeah, work it didn't work yep. right off the end
0: right off the end but uh do you think with, with do you like to stick to a certain theme, or is a different place a different like time era in a way for you? How do you do that with your campaigns? Uh,
1: so how much like technology like is or it mixing technology,
0: in sort of or is it all old knights, or is this place more of a shaman style Native American indigenous people type place? Like but blending different types of histories to the again, I like to think of ecosystems. Like if you run a desert campaign, yes. what kind of cities are in the desert?
1: Yeah. yeah. So that is actually how a lot of my campaigns operate. I have my medieval fantasy campaign. I've got my uh, rising tide on the seas campaign. I've got my Great Green Sea campaign where there's a lot of airships and things like that. And these are all happening simultaneously. Uh the the piece of real world trivia that I just love to throw around is at the same time the Incan Empire was rocking and rolling and keeping track of stories sure. on knotted ropes. The spring loaded clock was being invented in Spain. Yeah. Uh, the the technology, there's a reason technology tree play in like forex games are huge. Um, because Are you a Civ guy too? I can oh, see Oh, I'm, you. I'm can... a definitely a Civ guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but the reason that that exists is because in real life, you know, there was, in the, for instance, when uh, the Americas were colonized, and they were encountering indigenous populations. And these people had their own culture. They were yeah. they were fully developed, millions of people. And uh, they were just considered inferior because of the technology that they had in their culture. And that happens all of the time in my Dungeons and Dragons campaigns.
0: Okay. Yeah, because for me too, I think like having a historical period is great and talking to players against session zeros, but also a big part of DMing, and I say this in the most loose way, it's, I think there's a meme about it. Time to do the greatest plagiarism I've ever done in my life, where you're taking but, it from everything, right? you know? here we um, go. here we go. okay, so you're big on that too. okay.
1: Heck yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, like if you if you're watching a story or you're you're reading a story or you're watching a movie and you're like, oh, that's a great line, man, I, I can't tell you the number of times I have ripped lines from villains in movies. My right?
0: issue now is, oh, this is d and d. every <laughs> d d in my head. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I can see this there. Yeah, I definitely. totally get it. Uh, for me big inspirations are video games uh final fantasies obviously final fantasy 6 is a big one for my my big campaign that we've been doing for two years now almost two years and um and it's still going and then i i love pulling stuff like in our ice one dale campaign i made a materia system for weapons where you use jewel crafting and they give because mm-hmm. sometimes i didn't like everyone just getting it you could build your weapon to have a plus six to uh ice damage or fire damage right you could do that or you could do certain things i think that's cooler than me just giving like here's this cursed sword now build it out and make it stronger and you could get one sword later and find things right right um what are some other what are some resources you pull from what are your inspirations in that sense uh
1: i'm a big literature guy okay um so i used to have um a pretty large commute so i would i would consume uh, audiobooks and just yeah. uh whenever i'm driving i'm consuming an audiobook and so i uh, the keyword consume i i absorb a lot of yeah fiction fantasy sci-fi anything and i will draw Brandon Sorsen, from...
0: that kind of stuff uh
1: yeah sure uh mm. I, I he is a great world builder i struggle to t- uh, to care about his characters mm. but yes he is an excellent. If you want an example of how to build a world, you go to a Brandon Sanderson workshop, and he will he will work wonders. Um, but man, I can't care about, about his characters. <laughs>
0: um, there, have you ever read the Sword of Shannara, or have you done any of those by Terry? Yes, Pratt?
1: I enjoy Terry. Yeah, um, I just I, bought
0: his book this summer, and I'm like, okay, it's on my nightstand to read.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, that list just keeps on going. All those Shannara books, uh, there's so many of them. So you will not be short of any content there.
0: Right, because here's the other thing. I talked about this with Dan. At some point, it's kind of like The Simpsons did it. Your players will be like, oh, it's like this thing. I can have an original idea. Right. and My friends will be like, oh, it's like in-game. And I'm like, no, it's like every anime time skip." What are you talking about? It's right. not in-game. It's funny where your friends go, because you can see what you, like, your really smart friends will be like, Oh, this is like Moby Dick. <laughs> like you know, they'll make a right. literary. Re- and then your friends that watch the popcorn movies, will find some movie reference. So you're like, I guess, yeah, we're all copying something, right?
1: Well, uh, and I actually, I actually use that. Yeah. Uh, whenever I'm describing things, I will use scenes from movies, and my my players give me a hard time about it. Um, but I think what it does is it helps uh, helps you depict something or paint the picture. Where you might feel your words are falling short, yeah. Because I, I yeah. could sit here and uh, describe describe it into oblivion, or I could just say, you know that you know, scene, yeah, yeah, you know that scene from Terminator where she's holding the fence and the nuclear explosion goes off, and you can see her skeleton as the flesh is blown <laughs> off. That right there, it. that's what happened. Yeah. I'm like, yes, I got
0: it, I <laughs> yeah, got <exactly. laughs> it. We we have a house rule, and I think you like this one. If you like cherry wasps, it's uh you everyone can have one canonical real world person in game so because oh. it started with um oh who was the first sean's in here someone wanted some someone said something about keanu reeves being their favorite actor in our camp. i go oh keanu reeves is in the world now obviously if keanu, if your character's favorite actor and so the running joke is keanu does all the movies in this world right That they people watch on monsters but now he's in the game like they met him he's like a really strong. you know like there's a payoff to that because they, they're big time heroes and keanu actually one of the big bads no it was it was a uh, sean i just remember it was keanu reeves was the one and i found i'm like let me just google it uh keanu reeves as a paladin and there are pictures of it people made oh, guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. so we all get one but like i think doing the voices and sometimes the silly thing too um because I think, how often are your players doing the voice for their characters? Is it, Or does it depend on the player, do you think?
1: It depends on the player. And I have a couple players that are like really good about committing to their character. And mm-hmm. they, they stick to it. I have a couple players that uh, do it periodically, but they do it. And then I have a couple players that are like, my player does this. Or my character does this. And all three are acceptable.
0: Right, right. And then sometimes the other players will draw it out of the other, right? You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think that's a problem. Uh, my problem is keeping the same voice accent for a character. That's true too. You got to know your range if you're committing to a voice. Uh, that's in chat. Uh, you know, well, like last week with them, I had to do a Jerry Seinfeld because the uh, picture icon because we do everything digitally because we have players in California that uh-huh. spread out. And they're like, "Is that Jerry Seinfeld?" And I'm like, "Are you using your character?" And like, "Yeah." Can you do the voice, Casey? It's like, no. And of course you gotta do the voice, right? Because you are DM. And you got, I'm sure you probably get in the character too, because the DMs have to be the biggest storytelling nerd of them all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I do commit to the to to the voice. Mm-hmm. Um and here's here's a little bit uh, I've I've been told this isn't entirely uh I love building NPCs with my players. Same. That's what the um,
0: roll table is what my kind of mechanic for that.
1: Yeah, and so I I will say, hey, what is one thing that your player notices about them? Oh, and they say, well, uh, he's uh, he's bald. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, what's something that you're the to the next person at the table? Uh, what's something that you feel when you look at him? Uh, I, I feel. Cold, you know, like when you get goosebumps when you eat a Mm. popsicle. Oh, okay, excellent. And so, as my players start feeding me these cues for what this NPC looks like, I like to just kind of start drifting Drifting into 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 character and (laughs) building who this person is and who they're imagining. And I consume and I create. I love it.
0: That's and so good. you just do that yeah. with your
1: players and you build the NPC right there. And then suddenly the thing that they imagined is right there at the table. Sure. Them. It's a lot of fun.
0: Sure. And then the voices, too. I'm good at animal sound. So that helps everyone found out I could <laughs> do a bear sound last week just from years of playing video games. But yeah, sometimes you take your players along. My favorite thing is when your accent or your character, your impression is. decent. You know, it's not 100%, but it's enough where you're like, oh, that's who they're doing. And it's pretty, it's not bad. I like surprising, you know, get the Morgan, Andy Dufresne. You know, you gotta get them to get, (laughs) uh, you know, just get them in there, whoever they pulled in. um I think, well, like for players too, how often do you think help a player design a character or come up with a backstory? Because in session zero, I've helped Mm. characters do that. But I always like to pitch an idea. If they're kind of stuck, I go, hey, because as a DM, I, my other running joke is I have a whole list of characters I'm never going to get to play, <laughs> and that I write. I'm like, oh, this would be a cool character. Yeah. What, how do you How do you help guide that
1: process? What I What I recommend to players more than anything is um, before they even give themselves a backstory or where Where you're from or what you did or how you came to be, uh, establish uh, your bonds, traits, personalities, mm-hmm. and flaws. Uh establish the flaws those, are the biggest, I think. Uh, uh those those four things, those four boxes on everyone's character sheet that inevitably get left blank unless you just auto-generated them or something. Um, those four things are huge in how you'll actually play your character. Right. And then I like to leave the backstory open, or I'd like my players rather to leave the backstory open so that we can explore that together. And so that as you ask perhaps kind of a role play warm-up question uh i enjoy I think those are
0: huge too beginning every yeah. session do that for your characters it gets them in and buy yeah. in it makes up funny makes up funny things you can make contum later like exactly. oh really <laughs> let me write that down the the, the six month payoff
1: yep and that way you have those things and you have a steady supply of them because mm-hmm. you keep doing those role play warm-up questions and you do your campfires uh that's another thing that, that i really enjoy doing is, uh, okay, how do you know that person at the table? Uh, and right. it brings everybody to the table together and in the same direction right out the gate. There's no awkward session of, okay, well, I guess we're going to go pull the thing off the job board and right. we'll go do this adventure. No, you guys are already together. You know each other. You met each other six months ago because you told me during the campfire. And right. you're able to take that little bit of backstory and build with it so
0: the other thing i always wonder about is to the metagaming aspect right because mm. some people want to talk about well if we did this and i, I my big thing i always try play player and it's hard and maybe you can give me some advice because i know you're so skilled and you're so passionate is do it as your character right like how would your character convey this idea Hmm. say it as a character right or what what's your stance on metagame because there's sometimes they can come up with a plan right every team i've come to the conclusion my players have a text group without me where they're plotting against me to ruin my great time and again you know that's fine that's fine right but how do you get them to play their character without metagaming it if that makes sense what's your advice there
1: i actually don't worry about it
0: you don't, that's, that's a good reason too, right? Like let it happen a little bit till it gets a little egregious.
1: Yeah. Um, and so like, it's, it's one thing if someone's like, Oh, the troll has, you know, vulnerability to fire. Like, okay. That's, does your character understand that?
0: Does your character have that knowledge? Right. Like, can he pass that on? Or are you just Googling it and being a jerk? Right. right.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but then on the other hand, okay, how are we going to assault this fortress? I will leave the room, I'll go refill my drink, I'll get my snackies ready. Like <laughs> I will, I will give them all the time that they want, uh, you know, within reason until they come up with a plan. I'm I'm totally cool with that because I know that as soon as the dice start rolling, the plan that they came up with is out the window, just yeah, like we know plan your every plan. Week.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. that's what I'm always whenever they say that, I was like, Yeah, just keep telling me your plan out loud. Great idea. Mm-hmm. Well, and because mm-hmm. it's set in stone back here, guys. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry. Wink.
1: Literally, I'm I'm back here with like three words written on a piece of paper, man. Yeah, like, there's so I've to shuffle paper.
0: Here. Nothing's there. Yeah. Um. No. <laughs> My favorite too is sometimes just give them a puzzle, and if they do something cool, you're like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. You just go.
1: Uh, OSR puzzles, hundred percent of the time. So what's an uh,
0: ORS puzzle for those uh, that are new? So
1: near? an OSR puzzle is an old school revival or old school renaissance puzzle, and it is what i would refer to as an open-ended problem okay uh, the players encounter a problem how do we solve the problem and you you 100 is what i would call a utility puzzle yeah it'll it allows your players to get off of their stats take a look at their um skills and actually use those skills and role play together okay well uh the 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 penultimate example uh cross cross the canyon You know, the the old rope bridge is broken. How do we cross the canyon? Oh, well, I'm just going to misty step across. Okay, but like, I don't have that. How am I going to get there too? And so then they have to sit there and think, okay, well, I can fly and we can maybe like throw the halfling and okay, yeah. And Then you watch as everyone's gears start turning and they start working together and role-playing together. And then they try and we're going to roll some dice and see how it goes. And that is that is awesome. That's an awesome puzzle. Let fate uh, take
0: take care of it.
1: Yeah. And then it's when,
0: worse when the fate god, you're like, dang it. <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, these rolls suck.
1: Well, yeah. and that that is where we as dungeon masters have to remember, can we give give them as much as you can before you need to roll, roll. the dice?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, whether it's information, whether it's abilities, like don't make them roll the roll the die or scale a rope. He's he's got like a 17 index. Like he's able to do that. Don't worry about it. Um, it's when okay, well, I'd like to like shoot an arrow, dude. You're hanging from a rope. We're yeah. definitely gonna, up need down, yeah. <laughs> yeah, We're gonna need an acrobatics check, yeah. We're gonna need an acrobatics check to see how this yeah. goes here, right?
0: I would like and, to run up the giant snake monster, right? Do a triple misty flip, shoot it in the top of the head. All right, you need i that not that's a 22. You do yeah. it, like okay. that's, the worst yeah. that's,
1: that's what I'm talking about. That's totally <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Let's do that.
0: okay yeah But roll, yeah. Like, yeah. do you how often do you say challenge rating this? Do you ever look how? Do you like to let a player know that sometimes? I think sometimes for the dramatics, mm-hmm. right? You gotta throw it out there.
1: So I don't. I oh. can't say that I ever do. Okay. Um I, I will tell people this is going to be difficult. And that's like anything over like over 15, like, hey, this is difficult, or this is gonna be nearly impossible for your character. Like, I am I'm more than willing to give them. That. But you
0: won't say a DC, you won't give them the yeah. number? Yeah, like I, I'm
1: not going to give them a number because then they'll just sit there and number crunch and then someone will be like, oh, well, I can give you guidance and like, okay, we'll number crunch it some more and like, how can we solve that? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's two meta, that's two numbers. Like that takes us mm-hmm. out of the moment right there. And I would prefer that they consider what their character would do. What's cinematically cool and exciting? All right, that sounds cool. It'll be really tough for your character. Are we cool with that? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Yeah. And then then you get something fun out of that.
0: I think 15 hard, then 20 is uh, the next level. Very hard. 25 is incredibly hard, and then 30 is almost impossible, right? That's kind of the number you have to have depending on the modifier.
1: Yeah, that ballpark. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sometimes I want to let them know why they're mid-rolling. When they commit, though, I still think it's like, okay, you're you're committing to this roll. I confirm it and go, okay, DC 17. And like, oh man, <laughs> you know, Ooh, and like, okay. you, know, you know, just to see, and then you see the, I the butt pucker up, <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah,
1: thought... like, <laughs> okay, this is harder than I thought it would be. Yeah, that's but, cool. I you, like when you
0: get them rolling. That's yeah. my tip for it. If you want to tell someone DC, you have to agree, they commit to it, and when they start rolling it, you go. The DC's this. I do and, like and, that. Okay, okay, but I liked what you're saying too, because so the whole you got to make it special, right? If you do it every yeah. time, then everyone knows, and then you're showing your cards. Um, my players yeah. would give me a hard time because my roles weren't showing up on uh roll twenty because we play digitally, because it's to the GM. And I go, you know, guys, traditionally the roles yeah. don't the GM doesn't show the roles. And you know what? I'm not gonna show you anymore. <laughs> I don't have to, sir. <laughs> You're gonna have to believe me. You know, oh, so
1: then I have a question for you. Okay. Do you fudge the roles?
0: Um no no. Sometimes my, my thing is this, I'm okay with after a couple of rolls, if there hasn't been a hit and I look at the mm-hmm. numbers that have been happening, I go, I'm going to lower this AC. I think there's adjusting versus fudging. Like uh. if they're lows, their rolls are really low and there's just been bad luck. I'm like, you know what? This was AC 16. Let's just make it 14. Mm-hmm. Let's just, you know, I want to speed up combat. Cause sometimes that can be the thing too. Um, or, oh, their wisdom modifier modifiers this, right? Like I'm okay with that. I think fudging a roll doesn't honor the dice gods, you know? Right. Like the bigger thing is the dice tell the story too, Yeah. right? Um, and I think consequences are big too. I had a thing where my players in our campaign, I, there was a church and they never visited the church, right? And that's okay. But there were some events that happened in the church that didn't, they didn't know about. And mm-hmm. so there's this giant c- cataclysmic event that they didn't correlate to this big time change right and that's okay though their are choices made and it's really cool storytelling but if I had been like and you save these meteor things I think that would be okay or when a character dies I think if I fudge that role I think you take um, you take out the aspect of the game where there are st- stakes at matter right. so I want I want people to fail sometimes and it sucks sometimes you're like sorry dude doesn't work right but sometimes your players do the thing where, like, I want the kitten to, in my backpack, to hold the snowboard while I'm spinning in the air. And, do, okay, you need that. That's a natural! You're like, God bless it. You know, you can't do anything. Because you call it, you know, that's where I give a DC check and they roll it and they get it. And you're like, well, all right. You do it. Cool. Great. You, you know, did like, the thing. Yeah. You did the thing. I mean, it's awesome. You know, totally real, wild. Um, but fudging rolls... I think changing your character sheets to you match the the dice that night is okay, right? And I think it's okay not to use your best moves all the time. Sometimes the character can be done like a big bad, big BBGE mm. should be. I, I I have this theory, and tell me if you agree with this. As a good GM, I don't want your characters to die. I don't want them to fail, but also I don't care if they do. Like if your character dies or you guys fail all right new game like i can move on this story is cool and i would love to tell this story but if you guys die that's the story and then we can talk about a story about the next adventure' coming in that can clean up your mess like what's the outcome? right, right. like let's go from there maybe this group ends the cycle of death you know um what's what's your stance on fudge and rolls
1: um i i will fudge rolls <laughs>
0: That's fine. Yeah, I also think it's okay. I don't think there's a way or not to right. But,
1: but the I think the reason that I fudge rolls is for the exact same reason that you're mentioning. Okay. Um, it's to if I do fudge rolls, it's generally in the favor of my players. It's,
0: yeah, like if I got a nat twenty, it misses.
1: Oh you know, my that, goodness. Yeah. That's uh,
0: yeah. I think that happens sometimes, right? When and
1: so the, the reason that I do that um, is to maintain balance. Yeah, because I'm a home brewer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't used something out of the Monster Manual in years. Mm. Like I, yeah, I just ha- I just haven't. Shame. I take a
0: base uh, from Monster Manual and I up it or down it. You know, yeah, like it's I, really I change it and I'm like, oh, yeah. I want
1: that ability, and uh, you know what, it needs to be a little bit sturdier, yeah. but uh, easier to hit or whatever. And I will morph the crap out of that into whatever I need right. it to be. Right. And sometimes regardless of how experienced i am with that i mess it up yeah right or or, I, or i'm just rolling on i'm on fire right sometimes not ma- your rolls are hot
0: right yeah. oh man
1: and it's just not a good story uh and that's why i'm playing i'm playing this game for the storytelling yes yeah, uh, i'm i'm here to enjoy the story to make a story together and if the story is uh you guys laid the best plan ever like you you did all the things right and then this thing just comes in and just like wastes you guys that was my that was my bad that was my balance problem Um, and so I will change whatever I need to Mm -hmm. to make that intense now if a player uh, plays a stupid game and wins a stupid prize congratulations (laughs) there you go buddy like that's it
0: yeah hey you lost an eye sorry like that's always a cool story like you lose a limb (gasps) they did what that can happen you're like oh death is real that gives them the scare a little bit yeah
1: oh yeah um but i also run kind of a meat grinder campaign so a lot of my i don't have to try very hard to kill my players That it happens
0: dang you're you're rough we've had no death well we've had they had an npc die that they actually started liking in my big main session and it was because I said, like, he's not responding, kind of to give him a hint. Like, hey, he's on death door. And I was doing the death save rules behind the screen.
1: Uh-huh. Part
0: five, and then when the end of the battle, because they hadn't checked on him, he was dead. You know. And it was a big character turn, too. I think those kind of consequences where the player don't know. I'll be honest about those roles. And sometimes you kill. How often do you just kill? You <laughs> spool in the chat. You barely said anything i clearly said he's not responding <laughs> you know they're all butthurt about it you're they're all but i love i love my players um uh, but to how often do your players ever hold a grudge against you they're all they're all scarred they're like too soon every time i bring up yancey sparkle belt can you guess what he was yes, by the way sparkle belt he was uh, a no. he was a no <laughs> clearly, clearly.
1: um uh, uh, players holding things against me, you or know, getting
0: butthurt a little bit, not really like where they're holding the grudge, but they're like, man, I can't believe you did this.
1: I've, I've seen it. I have, I have seen it, but it's been because, and that's, that's the whole thing is because we care. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Pa- right. Passion, it's not a passion, bad thing. Right. Passion is not a bad thing. Um, and they've understood like, really? Hey, you know, I, we talked about it like adults. We figured it out and we figured out where we were coming from. It was like, Hey man, like, there's a reason they're the big bad evil guy because like you guys are messing around with the wrong people. And yeah, he, he just sat there and he knifed you in the chest a few times, but I'm sorry that you were already unconscious. And like that, that ended it for you, man, like the end. And so it was just kind of like, man, I was just, I just wanted more for that character, you know? And that's cool. That's awesome. That means that your player is invested in your game and that yeah. That should be a compliment. Yeah.
0: Death sucks, but there's also options for death. Like, be creative in your storytelling. Yes. As a player, like, go make a pack with the devil. Or go make a pact with, uh, get a resurrection druid. There's a side quest there for you. If you really love the character, talk with the group, right? Okay, this right. character can come back. Also, level one character dies super easy. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, the game is so cruel. And then when you homebrew stuff, you give them an item. You're like, oh, they're OP now, right? Yeah, you don't here's, realize here's it here's one sometimes. for you. Okay.
1: I haven't seen a player one character at my table, ever.
0: Man, you've never done a one. What's where? What's your starting level three?
1: Uh, Five.
0: Wow. Okay. Are you Um, an XP or milestone guy? Milestone. Yeah, same. And XP is fine if you like to crunch the numbers and you like to see that. I just think it's after time.
1: But then, so my problem with XP is if you start them with XP. Everything is XP. Right. Oh, and what they, what did I get for this? What oh, they yeah. only they, care about that and not they, that they are counting the XP and they're like, yeah. okay, I only need 372. That tavern keeper looks perfect. <laughs> you know, like no. Man, stop it. Right, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, but at the same time, I I have started campaigns at level 10. Right.
0: Um,
1: because I mean, when's the last time you saw a high level campaign? Um I also don't run campaigns past 15.
0: So you never have you ever done a, you've never done a one to 20 or have no interest in doing that? I
1: have no interest in that. Um, anything before five uh, is boring. Anything after 15 is too hard to balance.
0: Yeah, it's, it's nuts. Yeah, it's just it's
1: just preposterous, especially if you have like a six player party it's out of control because they there's their abilities are so diverse at that point that you you cannot challenge them uh you can't you can't challenge your players without hey guess what this is you know a, a universe ending thing so congratulations mm-hmm. if you fail today like the universe dies and i
0: think i think Ooh. no i think you're right i think <laughs> when you go to 15 there's a bunch of events and then for the final campaign you're level 20. Like you make it, uh, we go to 15 and you're 20 and everything's nuts and kind of go, I kind of want to do one where everything was hyper-leveling Uh, and you level up every session. Yeah, I think that works too. I think if you do a level one campaign, you have to like, level one is one session, level two is two sessions, level three is three, level four is three, level five is three. You get them to level five as quick as you can because I feel like if you're doing a level one campaign, it's for all new players. Right, I think if you do all new to teach them the mechanics, because I think some players can get overwhelmed by all the actions and subclasses and reading the chart. So then it kind of teaches them the steps, and then with a more experienced group, starting at three or five is great. I I, five sets, everyone wants to get their subclass. You know, that's the big thing, like because that's where the flavor comes in. Um, it it's hard. I a hyper leveling one would be good. And so, what what's your longest campaign? Is it two years? Is that your longest session or Um, longest campaign? Not session.
1: Two years, yeah, uh, of monthly monthly sessions because I only do one session per campaign per month. Right. How many um,
0: people are in those same groups? Is it or is it all? Is it four set different groups?
1: Uh, four different groups. I have one or two crossovers where they're okay. cra- craving more D and yeah, so they yeah, yeah. pick up you a second. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I think the most that anyone's in is two, and then every fifth weekend I do a one shot.
0: Now that's nice. For to break up the monotony. How long are your sessions?
1: Uh between 3 and 5 hours.
0: Oh, that's nice. We do about three online twice a month and it's just the one campaign. But we jump between two campaigns. We're doing our okay. secret campaign that we started and then we're doing the Icewind Dale right with the same group where we right. we do three and three. We switch off between them. And I think there's a balance to that, too. That's another thing I would tell players. Like, hey, if you like a campaign but want something new, that's okay. Every once in a while, do a one-shot. Make it, you know, keep it fresh. It's like marriage. You want to keep it fresh. Send them some flowers. Tell them they look cute in that dress. You know? Like, you know. Play
1: play a level 15 uh, (laughs) villainous one-shot. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Be baddies, you know? Just go kill Santa, right? Which,
1: actually, uh, I ran a, I think they were level 10 Cobald session where they were oh. all kobolds prote- protecting their red dragon's lair oh, while the red cool. dragon was away cool and i actually had players because it was um i actually had players play monster block adventurers and invade oh. the dungeon you know their lair uh-huh. and so it was actually a lot of fun that was a yeah, really good session. that's
0: a cool that's a cool session i like that idea i i I like I like the twist on the story, too, where you're the random character uh, or random setting too. like I can the Virgo one or just the draft one you had is a really good idea. I would love like to pull names from a hat and say you're building a character for him. You're building a character for him and you're building a character for her. Right, and everybody gets the character from the opposite, and you're gonna get a friend that's really nice or get a friend that's gonna make you something that's so horrible to play. <laughs> and you're gonna see how good you can bend to it, right? I would never trust that, no, because there's some players that are like, I don't want to do this, you yeah, know. It would, be, it would
1: be one thing if the DM was like, Okay, we're all playing pre gens that I made, mm-hmm. uh, pick your spot at the table, yeah, like, Ooh, okay, like, Ooh. yeah.
0: I my our campaign was kind of like that because I was guiding people like I kind of want to play this. I'm like, okay, you're gonna be this, you're gonna be this, and you're gonna be this based on what we talked about. Like you told me the class you want. Here's your here's your hook, right? Because they were like, okay, I'm into it. You have to so. There, I think too. um, For me, we talked about it earlier, like copying everything, right? Plagiarism. Uh, To end the show, I always like to have like a random subject. And last week we talked about what. What class is Gandalf? And we can get into that if you want to. But what are your top three d media? Like show, book, video game? Give me three. Obviously, we talk about, like, you know, people love Vox Machina or Critical Role. But something that is, like, classic literature that is true D&D to you. That's the essence of d d We can take turns if you want to. Or I can hmm. start.
1: Okay. So. Give, yeah. Uh, you start. You start okay. with that.
0: My number one. Example of D&D that's in media that you would not think if you didn't play D- Princess Bride. Mm. The Princess Bride is a, you know, you got the bard sword fighter rogue. You got the fighter pirate. You got the Goliath giant barbarian, you know, um, it's a great example of, Hey, this is the D&D story. This is a adventure of a party and it's based in a romance. It's great. And, there's enough humor in it too where it's because that's the other thing too D event is not just always super serious there's there's always your group's right. humor because people want to crack jokes there's the one smart ass player that has to push the limits you know
1: uh yeah and in, in that breath i think we always imagine you know lord of the rings we we we, we want to start the goat right <laughs> yeah. yeah the goat right we want <laughs> we want our campaign to look and feel like the lord of the rings but then inevitably we all become monty python and the holy grail,
0: grail. oh that's a great and that great... that
1: is definitely the epitome at least of all of my dungeons and dragons that's
0: so good I've forever. yeah
1: we we start off thinking that we're aragorn and we realize that we're just sir robin
0: oh we got stranger things in the chat yeah stranger things is fully DD. i love monty python love it um my other one is one that's actually a newer thing on Netflix. I've been watching that Shadow and Bone, or uh, it's a it, it's a high fantasy show. Uh, it's based on a book series, and it has magic. It has people of uh, that are you know kind of like a fighter class or a rogue class. Shadow and Bone's really good. Second season's coming, and I kind of binge watched it. I'm someone you're writing that down. I think if I see if I'm guessing. Yeah. Dude, if you like the high fantasy stuff, I think you're going to be like, oh, that's really good. Thanks for the wreck there. Um, but Shadow and Bone is true. De- it's the closest thing you have as a continual D. De- like, obviously, we could talk about Game of Thrones. And that Game of Thrones is a really twisted D&D game. But this is kind of like, oh, yeah, this is a high fantasy, serious D&D game to me. Shadow,
1: Right. Like actual high fantasy. Yeah. Uh because uh but there's
0: some like steampunky to it too, right? Because there's these ships that go through desert. So but if they're magical ships, I don't want to give too much away. You gotta you gotta see it. You gotta see it. World of Warcraft in the chat. Sure. That is kind of D esque.
1: Yeah, and I think so. I'm gonna have to source. I don't do much television.
0: Okay, you could do a video game, you could do a book, you
1: could yeah. I have uh I have television ADHD. Like I, I can't. I get like two episodes in, and then I just drift. Mm. Like I, I never come back to it. For some, I'm kind of
0: like that these days, where either I have to, I this is my night to watch TV this month, and I'm going to consume half a series, or I'm not interested. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, but if anyone wants to know how I run Dungeons and Dragons, okay. Um, read the Spellmonger series by Terry Mancour. Right. Um. Hands down, and the great thing about the series is Terry Mancour is an absolute monster, and he put <laughs> he puts out a book every six months.
0: Oh, he's one of those writers. And um, on and... top of
1: that, these books are like five hundred pages long. Like they're okay. good, they're good, solid books. Um, and he's like thirteen books in at this point. He just and constantly punching. The dude out. is just chugging. All right, he's a monster. But the I'm Spellmonger series uh, by Terry Mancour... Okay. And if you want to know like how I run D and D, that's how I run D and D. Okay. Uh, the the vibe, the feel, the political intrigue, um, the technology that happens, like all of it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's one I will check out. The spellmonger. I like a good book. I, I there's a, a series I like called Rangers Apprentice that I recommend to the t- kids I teach because I teach that like middle young adult. That's good. And it's yeah. kind of D D esque, but the one that I think because you know the D D movies coming out, right? Right. And someone was talking about there's been a and movie, and in my head, the closest D D movie is uh, your royal, your highness, with Danny McBride and James. <laughs> Fr- I'm like, oh yeah, that's DD. Yeah, where they fight <laughs> the minotaur. That's as raunchy as D D gets. That is D. That is R rated D D. Yes, that is right. Correct. They, they like D. That is a DD. If you want yeah. the DD experience, watch that. Behind us with Danny McBride and James Franco. Uh,
1: who else was that? Who else was in that? that oh, is... there's a
0: lot. Uh, Natalie Portman? Or uh, like,
1: I think it might or have Kira Knightley?
0: Portman. It's one of them.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is a, right that now. is a fun one.
0: It is Natalie Portman. And Zoe de Chanel's in it. And Justin <laughs> Thoreau. There's a lot of big name actors right. How did they get action?
1: these people in on this? because it is ridiculous. You it know what fun. it is it's they fun. all
0: play D and d. I Probably. know it. like the, in my heart, Charles Dance, who is the the evil dad in Game of Thrones to um, yeah.
1: so they, they must have been in somebody's trailer on a different film set sometime playing d and d and they're like, where's like the real d and d movie?
0: Like, yeah, let's, is let's,
1: let's make what dnd is really like
0: <laughs> Dan Prime's like i got an idea and i know it's funny um well no because i what uh, the joe the guy from magic mike that's married to sophia Lagarde, joe malinga he has the big D group with tom morello from radius machine and oh yeah, and Spawn. yeah, yeah. like i want to know what's at that table because the game of throne runners are part of that game now too and i'm like oh really they got a big they got a killer group there
1: that is a killer group
0: but what's your final piece of media
1: Oh man. Um I'm actually probably going to pull um I'm going to pull from sci-fi I think.
0: Go for it. I, sci-fi is 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 so d People don't realize a lot of times.
1: Right? Uh and it's the second alien movie.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um
1: so the first is very, you know, solo thriller, but then the second is very like run and gun. And that just the whole the whole movie like hey go to this place they find this you know the orphan uh they're dealing with the xenomorph like oh crap there's a lot of them and like uh the whole a- alien 2 feels D to me for sure uh, yeah for
0: sure and there's a lot of good when aliens 2 is a good choice yeah aragon i see that book world warcraft in the chat stranger things um, my bonus one is the anime Goblin Slayer or manga, if you want to read that, because it's just about a guy who likes to, he likes XP. He's an XP player. He he's an XP goblin. junkie. He's an XP junkie. That's
1: all he's there for.
0: So Bronson, all of other games, I want to thank you for joining us tonight, because I, I said we'd be here for an hour, but we're having such a good time. Um, Where can hey, people right. find more of your stuff?
1: Hey, I'm on YouTube. I'm getting onto Twitch. I'm starting to drift here onto Twitch. So feel good. free to come on over. Uh, to Allfather Game Master. I've started a channel. There's nothing on there yet, but uh, every Wednesday. So tomorrow I'll actually be on there. You can watch me as I world build uh, the Rising Tide, a new campaign setting that's starting up this month. Um, I'm all over Instagram. I'm there every day, but uh, I'm actually going to be releasing a book later this year. I'm in the process of editing uh, The Talentless GM. It's a Okay. A workbook, a workalong workbook on how to build your own worlds and homebrew uh, your tabletop role-playing setting.
0: Yes. So. And for those listening to the audio or watching later on YouTube, the description will be in below. Uh, if you want to find one of us, Underpowered, we've got a lot of different shows going on. We have our Pokemon show. We have uh, Underpowered Pokemon Hour where we do the card collecting and talk about rating cards. This week, Shelby's going to be doing a Backlog Battler. And our D&D actual play will be back March 11th. Sean filled in for me because I had some things to take care of. Um, we'll be back um but I want to thank everybody that came by to watch. and. If-